We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024, void where prohibited. Okay, full disclosure, we just recorded this entire episode, and I'm not kidding you, one minute after it finished uploading, the page six article breaks with photos of Kim leaving Pete's Staten Island apartment around 12.30 p.m. on Monday. And at the beginning of this episode that you're about to hear, we spend probably the first 10 or 15 minutes talking about the series of photos from over the weekend, which was him leaving her hotel and then them having breakfast at the Beverly Hills Hotel. So I just want to add this into the timeline that maybe she spent the night at his Staten Island place at Saturday night. And instead of spending all day Sunday at her hotel, as we previously thought, they spent all day Sunday at his Staten Island place. And then Monday, she leaves at around 1230. And then what? He comes to her place, leaves, and then they go to the airport separately. Like This just threw a rent in the plan. I have no idea. I feel like I'm so unbelievably caught up on this timeline. And you were like, I can't believe she spent the night in Staten Island. And I'm like, I can't believe that she was in Staten Island on Monday and in the city on Monday. And both of them were like, I can't wrap my head around that fact. Well, because like (laughs) in the simplest forms, if you were looking at this and this wasn't Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson, and these were just two people in your daily life. And they told you that that was their schedule for the weekend. You would be like, wow, you guys like really love being around each other. Like you can't stand a second apart. What I think it is more is that I believe that this whole relationship is uh, fabricated by the Staten Island Tourism Board to make it seem like it is so easy to get from Staten Island into the city. (laughs) The ferry sponsors it. (laughs) Yeah, like what? I know, I know, Julie. This is so fucking crazy. And then, wait, the other thing that happened right after we finished recording this entire episode was the photos of him in Beverly Hills driving her Rolls Royce after leaving that jewelry dealer. Okay, so after we finished recording this, right? Like I'm telling you guys, literally a minute after these things break and we're still on here talking, it's just not recording. And Julie's like, you know, I really believe this is 100% real, but God damn it, it almost feels like they're fucking with us. And we sent it to Isabel and her first reaction was like, are they fucking with us or is Kim just having the time of her life? And I'm telling you, I think it's the latter. I can't tell what it is. Like with anybody else, I'm telling you, any other couple right now, I would be like, this is so blatantly PR. It's not even funny. Like how public it is, them leaving each other's places, her spending the night in Staten fucking Island, like all of it, him publicly picking up jewelry. And then everything we're getting in terms of like, which by the way, is not a ton, but it still exists in terms of insider knowledge and things we've heard is like, no, this is real. And my brain cannot comprehend that. I think I'm having a hard enough time as it is with it being Kim and Pete. And then the fact that this is how they're going about their relationship is just insane to me. And I actually feel like it's not Kim that I give the benefit of the doubt to in terms of this not being PR. It's actually Pete where I feel like if this wasn't real, there's not a chance in the world Pete would be caught up in this. Julie, yes. I could not agree with you more. Yes. I truly believe you're right. Like the insider stuff we've heard is definitely in my mind at some point. But that aside, like he's not putting himself through this. There's just no way. I really think, I just think it's real. I really just think it's real. And I think that we can't not accept, but we can't wrap our heads around that because it's so entertaining and it's so unfathomable, really. Unfathomable is really the word. Yeah. Nothing is fathomed here. Not one thing. It's never been less fathomed. (laughs) Never. (laughs) 
<laughs> what else? Any any other send-offs before we go to this episode? No, I just can't wait to see what the rest of this week has in store in terms of them being together. Yes. And again, we don't have a podcast, so we're just going to have to freak out in silence. But okay, enjoy this episode. It's like probably 10 or 15 minutes, Kim and Pete, and then we just did the regular Kardashian bonus show recaps. But guys, this is a whirlwind and thank God we have all of you to digest it with. Okay, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, there are two things you probably know about me. The first is that I am a diehard OG Skims fan. Like there have literally been times where we've had to pause a recording because a certain product dropped that I needed to buy. And second of all, you know, historically, I kind of just never wear a bra. So what we're talking about here is kind of merging those two things because listen, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm never gonna be a daily bra wear. It's just not in the cars for me, never has been, never will be. However, there's recently been more events and I've kind of had a lot of weddings and just there's sometimes you gotta wear a bra. And when I tell you, Skims is changing the game for me because that same comfort that I talk about with the underwear or the loungewear, they did that with the bras. And recently in the past month, I've worn the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra and the No Show Balconette bra. I had to wear that one to a wedding under a dress. And like, it was the first time in my life where number one, I wasn't miserable. And second of all, I didn't come home and just like immediately want to take it off, which I'm telling you is a foreign concept for me. They're just so comfortable. It's like, I really felt like I was wearing nothing. I'm, I'm such a fan of everything that they make. So I guess it makes total sense that I love the bras, but like, I'm telling you, you will have the same experience. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. Definitely do that. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the dropdown menu that follows. When on the hunt for a new apartment, we obviously all have things that are kind of non-negotiables for us. I would say for me, top of that list is probably natural light. Just because I know myself, I know I'm more productive throughout the day. I'm honestly just happier throughout the day when I'm getting a lot of natural light. And it's important to know what you want and then really to be able to get that. You know, this is your space that you're living in. So apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes. So first of all, they have 3D virtual tours. So when you can't be there in person, you can take a tour of your possible future home, which is huge because it's one thing for someone to send you photos or to tell you about it, but really to be able to do kind of a virtual walkthrough to me is huge. Also, apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet, and they have amenity filters, so you can make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need, whether that's in-unit washer-dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. For me, in my next place, in-unit washer-dryer is like hands down, very, very high. So visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I honestly really enjoyed both of these episodes, but before we even attempt to recap them, can we talk about Kim and Pete at the Beverly Hills Hotel? Obviously, I'll die if we don't. Okay, guys, we just need to talk about this as a group because first thing is on Saturday night, that's when they go to the Staten Island movie. We talked about that at length on Monday's episode. And do you remember, Julie, literally on the episode, I was saying, I'm surprised we haven't seen photos of him leaving her hotel. Yes, you did say that. Verbatim, on Monday, later in the afternoon, so keep that in mind, we get photos of him leaving her hotel after reportedly spending the night or all day together. And then on Tuesday morning, the pictures were apparently taken around 7.30 a.m. On Tuesday morning, they were eating breakfast at the Beverly Hills Hotel. So let's just talk about this big picture. There is a very high probability that they hung out Saturday night. He slept over. They spent all day together on Sunday. He slept over again. They spent most of the day together on Monday. He leaves her hotel room on Monday. She leaves the hotel as well. They meet up at the plane, fly to LA, sleep at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and go to breakfast. So I am just saying my gut feeling is telling me that they spent Saturday to Tuesday together nonstop. That is insane. I would love the missing piece of Sunday because we haven't seen any footage of that, either them leaving the hotel or them together out in New York, unless they spent literally the entire day at her hotel. And then on top of that, I'm willing to bet that there is now, I'm going to say a 95% chance he'll be at the Christmas party because I think that's the only logical reason for him to go back to LA now. 
unless Kanye's there, I can't imagine him not being there. I mean, I guess, you know, the possibility we didn't really consider on Monday's episode is they both could be there. Kanye could be there and he could be there. It just feels very unlikely to me, given the way that we know Kanye feels about the whole situation. But we've been wrong before, totally could be wrong again. I really think he's going to be there, unless Kanye is. I know. I can't see them both being there together, although I did see some news reports saying that they were both invited, although I don't know how accurate that is. The reason that I can't see them both being there together is because Kanye is maybe the most outspoken person on the planet. I really can't imagine a scenario in which him and Pete are in the same room and Kanye is just like nothing but chill the whole time. No, especially because he knows Pete. It's not like it's some random guy. They do have somewhat of a relationship. And also, just to be really clear in my stance on it, let's say this is a year down the line and the dust has settled a little bit, whether it's Pete or someone else, I definitely think there's a possibility that they could all be in the same room together. I just don't think this recently after everything has gone on, the divorce isn't even finalized. I don't think that's a situation Kanye would want to put himself in. No, I don't think so either. And I know that obviously we've seen Scott kind of navigate that in the past in terms of being there with Courtney and Eunice, let's say. We're not currently seeing him there with Travis, although that'll be interesting as well for that Christmas party because I don't see a scenario in which Scott skips that. But the thing with Scott is that we've seen him kind of suffer in silence at these events almost where it's like he knows it's an uncomfortable situation, particularly with Eunice or particularly with Courtney when they were broken up, but he just kind of does it and puts up with it. Kanye's not the kind of guy that just suffers in silence. No, completely. And when I think back to Scott for a second, we all kind of felt like we knew where his head was at. We got a little bit of it on the reunion with Andy, but just in general, having watched the show for that many years and him being so transparent about the way he felt regarding Courtney and her other relationships, like we had a good sense. It wasn't until the leaked Eunice DM where we actually got confirmation. Like to me, that was the most raw form of confirmation we've gotten. But what Scott sends Eunice in a DM that then makes it to the public sphere is what Kanye says on stage in front of millions of people. So I guess my point is there's no guessing as to where Kanye's head's at. That's why I think that to like make an educated guess as to whether or not they would both be there at the same time is a little bit easier in this particular scenario. Right. Although I will say with Kanye in terms of giving him just the benefit of the doubt in the situation, I don't think he would ever do anything in front of his kids to that extent. I mean, obviously we know that at his concert, he said the line about run back to me, Kimberly, but I don't think in terms of causing any sort of a scene or making it an uncomfortable event, he would do that with his kids there. Oh, I don't think so either. That's why I just think that he wouldn't be there or or Pete won't be there. I don't know. Maybe I... And looking into this too critically, in this current moment, I cannot envision a world in which they are both there. Like, also, by the way, that's so uncomfortable for Kim, you know? She doesn't want to have to feel like she can't be affectionate with this guy that's the person in her life right now. And by affection, I don't mean like making out, but you know, a little hand grab or like his hands on her back as they're walking. Like, I don't think that that's what she wants to be thinking about because she's also trying to protect Kanye. So I don't know. I think if Kanye's there, Pete's not going to be there. And if Pete's there, Kanye's not going to be there. But time will tell. We'll, we'll have our answer in, what, three days? Uh, yeah. Do you want to guess which one it'll be, though? Oh, that's fun. I am going to guess Pete. Me too. Really? Yeah, I think Pete will be there. Wow. Also, the other question here is, will the Christmas Eve party even happen given the recent breakouts? That's that's the other possibility to consider. I think yes. I think so as well. I'm just trying to like literally put every single thing on the board and just see where our minds go to. Yeah, I was thinking that as well, but I think that it'll happen. I think it's, I think they're too far along in the planning of the Christmas Eve party to cancel it. And I think that they will just make it very clear that there is testing before you go in and the, they're just going to have it anyway. Yeah, that would be my my gut feeling as well. <sighs> I don't know, Julie. This is so wild. We are going to lose it from the footage of this. Even if Scott's not there and Pete's not there and Kanye's not there, it's still going to be 
the greatest footage of all time. I cannot wait. Every single year, the Christmas party literally feels like my Christmas because it is my only Christmas. Oh no, I know. That, that's a thing. You don't have to bank on any of their presences to make it excellent content to receive. Although, uh, like, okay, here, hear me out for a second. A pan shot of the room coming from like Mauricio Umansky, Kyle Richards' husband, okay? He does not give a shit about what's going on in pop culture. And maybe he's posting one thing to a story. He does a quick pan. He is an avid weed smoker, so he's a little bit high. He's not really thinking. He posts it. And some like sleuth Bravo account sees that in the corner, Kim and Pete are not necessarily making out, but like he's whispering something in her ear. Like that's my, like, oh my God, talking about each other chills. That's my dream. And also we're not going to have a podcast for it. We're going to be like combusting. Thank God we're going to be together. I know. I, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited too. When we get back for our week off, which I think the first episode after that is maybe January 3rd or January 4th, whatever that Monday is, I'm sure we'll have like a 20 minute deep dive of the party on the episode. I cannot wait. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. So moving on to the actual episodes, we're on season five, episodes three and four. Episode three, we're not going to go in as in-depthly. It's basically two main plots. One is Chloe misplaces her ring. And the second is Chris and Caitlin just continually fighting. The Chloe ring plot is like entirely filler. We're not even going to really address that. But there are definitely some things that come up within the Chris and Caitlin fights that I think carry a lot more weight than they maybe felt like they did at the time. Right. Of course, it's so interesting to see the fights and see what their marriage was like at the time and the disagreements they had that maybe, like you said, didn't carry the same weight as they do knowing that they're now divorced. But what's so interesting to me in terms of it is kind of watching the disillusion of their marriage because the fight that they had in this scene, which was pretty much about Caitlin not feeling like she had space in the house and Chris kind of taking over and being very controlling of the situation. That was a fight that they had continuously. That fight never ended. So to kind of see the origins of that fight and know that it was never fully resolved and then add on to that, like all of the fights that they are going to start to have, because like we were talking about, I think it was last week when we were doing the episode recap, this is when you're really at the starting point of what is going to become of their marriage. And they stay together for, a lot longer, I think, than we expected them to. But it's a lot of fights from here on out. Well, it's interesting because obviously the way this episode starts out is with one of the more famous fights. And like you said, one that continually happens where 
Caitlin doesn't feel like there's enough space for her in the house. And this particular one revolves around the garage where she felt like that was the one place that was her safe haven. And Chris kind of comes in and just micromanages the entire thing. Really, I think Caitlin feels like disregards her feelings about it. And yes, you know, the way that they're kind of framing it is almost like as a more trivial fight. But to me, it's almost a metaphor to their relationship or to the way that Caitlin was feeling at the time in general, where she felt like what her needs did not fit into the life that Chris was so focused on building. And I know we're using the garage as an example of that, but to me, that's why I always felt like it was deeper than just not having a place for her airplanes. You're a hundred percent right in terms of it being deeper, because I think one of the major problems they had in their relationship, and you saw this for probably season one on, was that the things that Caitlin found to be so important to her, her helicopters, golf, anything that made her happy was something that Chris considered to be really trivial. And therefore it wasn't just that Chris wasn't willing to give up her space. It was that she wasn't willing to acknowledge how important these certain things were to Caitlin. At the same time though, Chris was running a business. Chris was building an empire. So for her working all day and, you know, taking care of all of the girls' schedules and being the momager that she was, that was the biggest priority to her. So she didn't really feel like anything that was a hobby was necessarily had space in the home. And that was a fight that they continuously always had. And I think that was something that after the divorce, Caitlin really twisted. And that was a huge point of contention in terms of the fact that Caitlin made Chris out to be this like evil woman that wouldn't let her have anything. When in reality, I think Chris was just spending so much time prioritizing what they were building. Yeah. I mean, listen, depending on who you talk to, I think you could really get convinced either way. Obviously, I think in general, like just you and I as people, we, I would say if you're like calling these quote sides where we've typically been more on Chris's side, just in the way that everything kind of went down. But I absolutely think a lot of Caitlin's frustrations were totally valid. But you know, the other thing is obviously Caitlin had a wildly impressive career and when she won the games and, you know, she was the number one athlete in the entire world. And she really was on top of the world for so many years. And even after the fact, you know, she was still doing speaking engagements and she had a lot of respect from the world and from the industry, but her career was kind of dying down makes it sound negative, not negative, but the normal kind of trajectory, you know, she was heading towards eventual retirement. And what was unique about this particular situation is that even though Chris and Caitlin were similar age-wise, they were in completely different points of their career. Like Caitlin had done the biggest thing she was ever going to do. And it was more so now just riding steady. And Chris was amping up to do the biggest thing she has ever done at an age that is older than I think most people would consider for doing something that big, you know? And I think like, I don't know if I'm making this point well, but just that kind of general misalignment in terms of the stages that they were at in their lives also played a role. No, that's an amazing point. And I really agree with you on that. I also think that just back to what you were saying about picking sides or choosing sides, quote unquote, I think they both share like a massive amount of responsibility in terms of like blame for their marriage and and what happened. The fact of the matter is though, I think that the reason that we tend to align more with Chris is that in the aftermath of their marriage, there was a huge, huge amount of disrespect that Caitlin had for Chris. And I think everybody was able to see that. And I think that you saw how upset the kids were at Caitlin. And therefore, you're obviously going to have that same reaction when you see that. When you watch the episodes back, had none of that taken place, I think it would have been really easy to be more Team Caitlin. Yes and no, though, because like if you just watch this episode at the time, forget about watching it back now. It's really hard to do that now because we know what ended up happening. And I don't mean what ended up happening in terms of their marriage. I mean what ended up happening in terms of Chris's career and the empire that she kind of built. So if you're just watching this episode, you know, plain at the time, absolutely, I think you can start to really feel for Caitlin. And like you said, it's not that you can't feel for her even now. But now knowing what Chris really was building and the empire she was about to accomplish and how that is going to take care of her kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. And like this, you know, 
one of the greatest success stories in all of entertainment ever, I think you naturally give her a little bit more grace because you realize, oh shit, she was onto something that Caitlin didn't even see. Oh, a million percent. And that was one of the other issues in their relationship is that I think Chris was always able to see the big picture, maybe not to this extent, but she always knew that she was building something. And I think that Caitlin had an inability to do that. And a lot of times, unintentionally, that stood in the way, which created issues in their marriage. Yeah. I mean, listen, you really can't fault either one of them. Like, I definitely think it was just the type of situation that was not meant to last forever. And there were some bumps along the way, but they seem to be, you know, relatively civil now. The one point from this episode that we didn't really touch on, though, is the fact that it started to really get to Kendall and Kylie, Kendall more so than Kylie, but you kind of got to watch their response in real time. And to me, I thought it was a very genuine response of like, you guys have been fighting a lot. Does this mean you're going to get divorced? And their reaction was like, of course not. This is what happens. Grownups fight. And that was true for a lot of years, but it just shows that I genuinely believe in my heart that at the time of this episode being filmed, they also just thought it was a rough patch. Like when they were saying that to Kendall and Kylie, I really think that they meant it. I don't think that they ever saw a divorce on the horizon. I was just going to say that that's maybe the most interesting point of the episode, which is that obviously when you and I watch this back, we're like, oh God, you guys are headed right for a divorce. At the time, the way that they speak about it is like a divorce was off the table. They never even considered it. Like that was not a possibility. Like Kendall coming to them and saying, are you guys going to get a divorce? Was like this cute little innocent thing that children do when they don't understand that adults fight and it doesn't mean anything. Like to them, the idea that this one fight would end in a divorce was obviously ridiculous. The fact of the matter is that they were clearly ignoring a lot of other unhappiness that was taking place in their relationship. But I truly don't believe that it had hit that point yet where that was something either of them had ever thought about. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. It wasn't bullshit the way that they were talking to Kendall. Really? No, I don't think so either. Okay. Let's get into the next episode because I loved this one. Yes. I feel like makeup in general and specifically a daily makeup routine is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science, what works for us, what we need before we leave the house, like where do we feel our most comfortable? And for me on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup, but my two Holy Grail products always have been, I think always will be are mascara and lip gloss, maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy, but Honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which I'm telling you right now, I have a zero tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 20% off your first order. Okay, so imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt, and now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. Told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again, and I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bowen brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you, it's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company. First of all, they're made with the rarest 100% organic cotton and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're 
buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30-night worry-free guarantees. So you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California king, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have a waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at BullandBranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, so this next episode, we're not really going to go scene by scene either. We'll touch on some scenes here and there, but the two major plot lines are, the first is, as their fame is kind of you know increasing by the day, Chris is realizing that they very much need security and specifically Kim full-time security. So she enlists the help of this bodyguard that they had back when they were in Australia. And he's done security for Elton John, Nicole Kidman. Like he's very much the real deal. And so part of it is her resurfacing him and we're going to watch that play out. We'll get into that in a second. And then the second plot line, which we're not going to really dissect, but just that you know what was happening was Chloe realizes that Lamar never learned how to swim. And a lot of the episode is her kind of teaching him because he tells her that before his grandmother died, he made a promise to her that he was going to learn how to swim. And one of the things that Chloe is saying is like, when she thinks back on her childhood, some of her most vivid memories are swimming with her dad. And she really wants Lamar to be able to have that experience with his children. And the way she's talking about it, you can tell she also means the children that they are going to have together or that she's hoping they're going to have together. So that's kind of the side plot that's going on throughout the course of this episode. But it was very, I felt at least, endearing watching Chloe be so patient with Lamar. Yeah, it was. And Lamar also gets very frustrated with himself during this. And there's a point where he says to Chloe, like, I've never felt frustrated like this because I've always been good at everything. And I'm not used to that feeling of not being good at it. And Chloe is so supportive and understanding of that. But you can also tell that that's exactly how she sees Lamar, which is like, he's just good at everything. And I think that that was one of the biggest pieces of their marriage at the time, obviously, prior to things going downhill was just that Chloe had this level of admiration for Lamar, but Lamar also had it for Chloe. Oh, totally. He he really did, but hers was in a different way. It just was in a different way because to be clear, like he admired the woman that she was, the sister that she was. He totally envisioned her as the mother of his future children. Like I think he was so in love with everything about the person that she was. But for her, it was all of those same things. And then on top of that, like the athlete that he was and just what came with that and kind of just the dedication and the drive and like his just natural abilities as well. I think she was continually blown away by. Yeah, definitely. I mean, also at the time, this was the most famous person that she had dated. Like I know that's kind of a weird thing to say or almost like may seem like a non-additive metric, but I do think there was still the idea of it being Lamar Odom, you know, like legendary Laker Lamar Odom that, of course, she wasn't starstruck by, I don't misunderstand, but that resonated with her. I think also when you compare it to her sisters, that was a big thing as well. And I don't mean that in terms of a big draw of just their relationship. I think she loved Lamar for Lamar, but I think in terms of how that reflected on herself, at the time, it was like, Courtney had just had a baby with Scott and they were very up in the air and no one really liked Scott. Kim was single at the time and Chloe was married to a Laker who was on a big playoff run, who was like one of the most famous basketball players at the time. And then on top of that, she was the one that like had this very successful relationship and was living in a big house and all of her sisters were kind of coming to her for help. And Courtney was coming to her to live with her at the time and Rob was staying in their house. And I think that for her own 
view of herself, the way that she was in position with the rest of her family, that was kind of the first time that this was the case for her. And I think she felt a lot of comfort and excitement in that. And Lamar was a huge, huge, huge piece of that. Oh no, completely. I like, I don't think she was getting her confidence from that. And as she's spoken about, you know, in various interviews, she had a lot of confidence naturally. And it was over the years that it kind of withered away due to like the way she was covered by the media. But it's not even that it was, she was gaining confidence from that. I think it was more so just an acknowledgement of like a win for herself. I think she felt like she was finally getting her due. Yes. In a way where it's not that she didn't want them to, but it probably did feel really good. Yeah. Okay, so this bodyguard plotline, I don't give a shit how fake this was. I was living for it. I was watching this episode as if it was the first time I ever saw it. So basically, Chris brings this guy that they had in Australia, like I said, but initially Kim doesn't want him because back when they were in Australia, she remembers him as being very kind of quiet. And she says to Chris, like she doesn't necessarily want that energy around. But Chris insists and they have their first photo shoot where it's a beach bunny photo shoot with Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. And Chris brings him around just kind of like to introduce him to everyone and to get him situated. And it's in this first photo shoot where everybody else realizes like, wait a second, Kim's bodyguard is really hot. And I think Kim also has that realization because she hadn't been looking at him in that light. Well, first of all, just going back for one second, the thing that really got me in this episode that I couldn't get over was when Chris brings this idea to her of they have to have a bodyguard or Kim specifically has to have a bodyguard, Kim's initial response is, I don't need one. It wasn't even just that she specifically didn't want him, which she did. She she wasn't a fan of having him at the time. But she also felt like she didn't need a bodyguard, period, which I can't even remember a time where that would even remotely be the case. And then on top of that, you add on the fact that she now has this bodyguard and he's hot and all of her sisters are like, trying to get her to acknowledge that because the simultaneous plot line from last episode was Kim is single and we really want her to start dating again. Right. And that is the thing about this show that I don't know if I will ever get over of like, not only have we watched their entire career and the trajectory and watch it take off, like you can pretty much pinpoint this and okay, you want to say that this scene was dramatized for the show, fine. But you can pinpoint at least this six-month period as the time in which they realized their fame level was that of somebody who needs full-time security. Do you know how rare that is for A-list celebrities, for us as the public to be able to go back and look and, and you know pinpoint that time in our minds? It's unheard of. It's so like... It's so much more than just, yes, this happened to be a really fun plot line with the security guard that I can't wait to talk about because he was so hot and I loved their chemistry. Like that's in and of itself. But also like we're watching the moment where Kris Jenner comes to Kim and says to her, by the way, like, I think you need security. And at that time, maybe we did or didn't realize that was never going to change. From then on, it would only increase to the point where she is 100% round the clock spending millions of dollars a year because that's the only way that it is at all feasible to go through her life. It's insane when you break it down. It really is. You're right. That trajectory of security in regard to fame is absolutely wild. And the reason that it's crazy is not just because this is what happens with every celebrity. It's not like every single celebrity gets to the point where they're big enough that they need 24-hour personal security with them. That's not the case with a lot of people, and that's not the case with a lot of A-list celebrities. It was that Kim's fame is such a specific kind of fame that Kim can no longer leave the house without having that. Right. And that's the thing about the Kardashians. It wasn't even that at this point, their fame level was so high that they needed it. It was that their influence level was so high that they needed it because people were flocking to them, specifically Kim, wherever they went. Like At the same time, a, a celebrity like Julia Roberts or somebody who was just factually far more famous never needed this level of security because, I mean, for a million reasons, but I think also, as Kim was talking about in the Barry Weiss podcast, like the social media thing was so intertwined with her rise to fame that people felt more connected to her than they did to people that were even more famous than her. So it was like this thing where when she would be in a giant crowd, everybody felt like they knew her, which of course has only increased, but that wasn't so, that wasn't so prominent at the time. That wasn't typically the reaction to celebrities. So what's funny is that I believe that the trip to Australia that Kim is referring to in terms of having Shango for the first time is something that she's actually spoken about 
more recently in interviews, which is that they went to Australia and that's when they were there for that opening of that cupcake store. And the crowd outside was so unbelievably massive that it was the first time that they truly experienced it to that extent. And Kim marks that as one of the first times that she really started to understand how famous she was. So it's interesting that that kind of small, like one-off anecdote about this specific bodyguard is actually something that she would end up talking about years and years later as an earmark of fame, if it is the same trip, which I believe it is. But then on top of that, the thing that is also fascinating is that in this episode, the security was only for Kim. It was obviously the whole family was together and therefore the security was protecting all of them just by proximity. But the reason they had the security was literally just for Kim. It wasn't with any other family members in mind. And I think at the time, the idea that Kim would need personal security forever and increase personal security from here on out was one thing. I don't think anybody thought that this is something that would even remotely extend to the rest of the family. Oh my God. If Chris ever thought that for herself, like think about it in in those terms, right? right? Like she was putting this in place to protect her daughter. Little did she know she would never leave the house ever again a year down the line without full security for her. Like the whole thing is so crazy. It, It really, really is. I know. Okay. So back to the actual episode, let's get a little bit more micro here. Like this was so much fun to watch because she's still at this hotel, obviously, after the Indy 500, and she wants to go to dinner and no one's around. And so she's like, you know what? I'm going to see if Shango wants to go. And she knocks on his door and he opens the door. He's in a towel. He looks so hot. This is not typically my type, but I really do think he was very hot. He was so hot and kind of exactly what Kim was describing as her type in the last episode. Yeah. And so he opens the door in just a towel again. I don't give a shit how fake this was. We're pretending it was real because it was so much fun. And he's like, yeah, sure. Like, let me just go quickly change. And so while he's changing, she calls Courtney and she's like on her Blackberry. Oh my God. He's like kind of really hot. And they go downstairs to have dinner together. And when they get there, he pulls her chair out and they're just talking. And she makes a comment to him like, you know, I honestly can't remember a guy that I've been with who has done that for me. And you can see that like her wheels are just starting to turn in terms of like, Hmm. I think I could get behind this. Watching Kim flirt is my drug. Drug, Julie. I think the reason I was so obsessed with watching her do this is because in my mind, it was the first time I had insight into what it must be like watching her flirt with Pete. Like I imagine in those early days when we saw the pictures of them holding hands on that roller coaster, that this is the same version of Kim that we're getting here. Yes. Yes. I am so glad you just said that. This We have not seen this part of Kim in so long. And it's interesting because she's obviously such like a person filled with sex appeal and flirtatiousness and her entire kind of brand, or not her entire brand, but so much of her brand was built on that. Yet it's it's not the first thing that you would mention when you talk about all the different qualities about her that you feel like you know over all these years because we never really saw it that much. And this was like almost, I don't want to say like a schoolgirl type of situation, but it's almost what it was. You know, she was kind of just giddy. And that's how I envision she is with Pete. The way I can describe it is that I know she learned a lot of stuff from Paris. She clearly mm-hmm. learned how to flirt from her too. I think so as well. Okay, so next scene, this is such a good one. Basically, Cordy and Scott are going to dinner with Chris and Kim is coming. And of course she brings Shango, but it ends up almost feeling like a double date because when they get there, she has him sit at the table. So it's Courtney, Scott, Chris in the middle, and then Kim and Shango. And they're all having a great time. It's honestly very pleasant. You almost forget about what had just transpired with Chris and Scott in Miami. And Courtney makes a comment about feeling nauseous. And Chris says something like, oh God, you're not pregnant, are you? And Courtney's like, I don't know, I I may be. And Chris says to Scott, you need to stay away from her. That would be my first advice. And Courtney's like, we're not asking for your advice. And Scott basically gets up and leaves the dinner and Courtney soon after follows. But like, before we get into the Kim and Shango stuff, let me just acknowledge, this was a moment where everybody, both Kim and Courtney, and honestly, even Shango in his way, were in agreement that Chris was kind of out of line here. Yeah, it was like Chris literally just couldn't help herself. But also you watch Scott have a reaction that was clearly advised to him by his therapist, which was like, if you're in a situation, instead of engaging and getting upset, just leave. And that's exactly what he did. 
Yeah, it's exactly what he did. And and it was the right move because it made him look so much better in the situation. But I don't know. I mean, I understand that Chris still had a lot of anger towards Scott, but it just, it felt, I don't know. It did feel kind of out of line watching this. Yeah, it did. I mean, I think that Chris thought it was just the funny comment that she was making and expected Scott to joke around with her. And Scott was not down for that. And as soon as she realized the energy that she wasn't getting back from Scott was one of a joking tone, Chris should have just ended it and apologized. And instead she kind of kept going. Well, it's hard for him or Courtney for that matter to take it as a joke when they know that there's so much truth behind it. Like she was dead serious in what she meant. She was saying it in a joking tone to almost cover up the true sincerity of how scared she would be if Courtney was in fact pregnant by him a second time. Right. Something that's funny about Scott and Courtney's relationship that they continuously do throughout the show is they have these very dramatic breakups and then all of a sudden they're back together. Especially here, it was it was Courtney was only seeing him in the context of Mason and then Courtney was going to lunch with him and then all of a sudden it was like they were fully back together. I know, I know. And there was no explainer in the None. middle. Okay, so... Everybody leaves. Kim and Shango go back to her house and they're kind of just going over the schedule for tomorrow. And he says, you know, so are you going to need me tomorrow? And she's like, yeah, but I can't even think about tomorrow. So much going on. And she walks him to the door and they make out in front of her front door in her dress from the night. Like, I don't know why I'm talking about this as if I have never watched two people make out before. Like I've literally seen Kim's sex tape and still this was the most erotic content I've ever seen. I was going to say you've literally seen her sex tape. I think the reason that it was so funny and so enjoyable to watch is because you really watched it from beginning to end in terms of what Kim's clear intentions were. So like when her and Courtney are getting ready to leave for this dinner at Katsuya, Kim puts on this really nice dress and Courtney's like, what are you so dressed up for? And she's like, oh, I just had this dress. I wanted to wear it. And then they get to Katsuya. They're sitting at the table and Shango's kind of standing outside of the room. And Kim is so flirty. She's like, no, come in, like, come sit, come sit with us. And everybody kind of gives each other a look. And right before they leave, when it's just the two of them left at the restaurant after Courtney and Scott storm out and Chris storm out, Kim orders shots for the both of them. And Shango's like, no, I can't take it. I'm on the clock. So Kim takes it herself. And it was just like, Everything from Kim's perspective was so planned out from start to finish in terms of what she wanted to happen with Shango, but she tried to play it off like it was just like a complete whim of what happened. And that's what was so funny to see. It was amazing. It was amazing. I was here for every single second of it. And also he clearly wanted to so badly as well, but he was not going to be the one to make the move. You know, he wanted to remain relatively professional. I also think just in general, there's something like very hot about that like idea of doing something that almost feels forbidden, even though technically it's not, you know, they were two adults that were making a fully consensual decision, but she felt like it wasn't really allowed because she was technically employing him and he didn't want to cross that line. Like there was definitely that thing there, although it was two people that like genuinely wanted to engage in this. And then on top of that dynamic, you have the dynamic of him being there as like her quote protector. Right. Which is like just so hot in general. Like I very much could see the way that people could feel attracted to their bodyguards if they're somebody that they would already be attracted to physically because, you know, there's nothing hotter than that of like, I know that nothing is going to happen to me when I'm with this person because they will handle it. And like, not only will they handle it in my mind, like they are absolutely trained to like, that is fucking sexy. Yeah. Just ask Kevin Costner. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so basically the next day she goes straight to his hotel and she has a very, I think, pleasant conversation with him where she acknowledges that she has no idea what happened last night and they should keep it professional. But it was it was just so fun. Like I, I, I just can't get over how much fun this was to watch. I love the early seasons when there is so much fun, especially with Kim, because Obviously, one of the biggest changes in Kim is you've seen her get more and more serious over the years. And that was one of the reasons that SNL was so exciting is because you got to see this very playful side of her. And we do get that sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's not like she was on SNL and any of us were shocked to see how funny and playful she can be. But it's just the majority of the plot lines we see Kim have are more serious. They're more work related. They're Kanye related. They're kid related. They're law school related. So you 
kind of lose out on that fun nature at Kim that we know. And so for this episode to be just an entirely fun episode, it was so unbelievably enjoyable. Yeah, it really was. It was just like good old fashioned Kardashians. Yes. <laughs> I'm laughing. It's like not going to translate, but I was laughing about when I sent you the picture of Lamar when he was in the goggles and you were saying that that, that was you and my little cousin's goggles over the summer. <laughs> no, I have to explain that better because we get to Emma's house and Emma's aunt is like, can you, she's like, are you a good swimmer? And I was like, yeah. She's like, okay, I need you to go to the bottom of the pool and like get all of the kids like sinking toys out from the bottom because we can't get them out of the deep end. So like, I'm like, no problem. I jump right in the pool. I have, I need to use goggles to be able to see them. So I'm like doing like a little deep dive in the deep end of the pool and getting them out. And all of a sudden, by the way, at this point, Emma is not out at all. Like she has no, she has no idea of this mission. So all of a sudden, Emma walks out to come in the pool also. And I'm in a six-year-old pink child goggles. And she's like, what did I miss here? That you are in my uncle's pool. In tight, tight goggles, cutting off the circulation of your face. It was maybe the funniest thing ever. No, but <laughs> the reason that it was so funny is because nobody flinched. Like Arlene was like, oh yeah, of course. She's just in the deep end getting else toys. Duh. Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. No, of course. Of course no one flinched. Oh my God. Do you, you guys don't have to understand? Julie and Isabel have like full-blown relationships with my family members that I, I'm not even aware of. Like they have separate group chats. Like they just have, I can, it, it's it's so like for maybe for somebody hearing that story, it would be weird that you were like at my family's house for the weekend and I wasn't downstairs. They live lives before I come down sometimes in the morning. Like it's, it's, it's remarkable. We went to the beach without you. I know. <laughs> oh, anyway. That was fun. I just had a lot of fun. Julie, this is our last time recording together until 2022. Oh my God. Well, happy new year. (laughs) Isabel and I will be back tomorrow for Bravo. We're going to talk Miami, a bunch of other things. And I think that's all. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving us another year to do this. It's the best thing ever. Oh my God. What else do you want to say? I feel like this is, this feels very final. I think that's it, but I think that we have a lot to look forward to in 2022 in terms of Kardashians because we are so close to the Hulu show. Yeah, we are so close. I cannot wait. Guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for every week giving us your thoughts and just being awesome and so engaged and understanding why we appreciate this stuff in the way we do. We love you and I'll see you tomorrow and then we'll see you next year. Bye.